Pod Show is pleased to bring you the following killer content direct from the all-new feature-rich podshow.com. Get it, play it, dig it. The Bible Study Podcast, Episode 5. Today, the Bible Study Podcast talks about prayer. In Episode 4, I talked about the Lord's Prayer, and I really took that out of context, which I hate to do, but I just wanted to do that little dramatization that I did for you. But if we look at Matthew 6, which is one of the two places where the Lord's Prayer is given, we see some of the other teachings that Jesus has on prayer. So starting in verse 5, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then other manuscripts add, or from evil, some late manuscripts add, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So that's the Lord's Prayer, at least the first time, uh, the version that is in Matthew 6 in context. And so there's a couple things that we notice right away about prayer that Jesus is telling us. The first issue that Jesus is dealing with, this sounds a little strange to us today, there are people actually going out on the street corners and praying so that everybody could see how spiritual they were. And they're doing it basically as performance art. They're doing it so that people can see how nice they are, how good they are. And they're basically looking for the praise of men. Well, that's something that seems very strange to do today. I can't imagine that going out on the street corner is going to make people think more highly of you. But it's something we need to think about in a church context, for instance. Prayers are intended to be prayed to God, and they aren't intended to be something that draws attention to us. That's not to say that corporate prayer or prayer within a group is is wrong. I've heard some people draw that conclusion from these verses. But it is to say that we need to think about why we're praying and who we're praying to. And it looks at the motivations of the prayer. And Jesus encourages us to make sure that we have motivations that are not driven by what people think of us, to actually go away, go someplace quiet, to go into our closet to pray, uh, to close the door. Your room is the way that it's translated in this version, but basically to, to go and pray in quiet, in secret, because our Father can still hear us. The second thing that Jesus teaches about prayer here is to not just keep repeating words for word's sake. Do not keep babbling on like the pagans, for they think they can be heard because of their many words. It's not necessary for prayers to be long. It's not necessary for prayers to be repeated. And one thing we need to watch, and I come out of a liturgical tradition. I come from the Lutheran Church. I go to Bethel Lutheran Church in Cupertino, California. And 
one of the things that in our tradition is we do use prayers like the Lord's Prayer in the service. And we do use uh, pieces of uh, the scripture that are used as part of the liturgy. They're used part of the service, the worship service. And it's something that we need to keep in mind that that's fine to do that, but we need to think about the words that we're saying. One time I was teaching on Matthew, and I was teaching on this text, and I was sitting in church, which happened to be before the Sunday school class that I was teaching, and I was... I I have to admit that my mind had strayed a bit from whatever was going on in the service, and I was thinking about these words and thinking about... Do we say things without meaning them? And and I, hmm, yeah, that that's a point I'll have to make in next hour when I'm teaching the class. And I realized that I was halfway through the Lord's Prayer and I didn't even know I'd started it. Because there are words that had become very familiar that at least that time I was saying it without meaning. I was babbling on like the heathens do. And so that's something that Jesus is saying is not what he intends. What he intends is prayer to be a conversation. Tell God what you what you want. Uh, you don't won't be heard for the volume of your words. The other thing we should realize as we look at the Lord's Prayer is that the verse before it says, this then is how you should pray. It doesn't actually say this then is what you should pray. It's not so much that Jesus was trying to give us a prayer as a template for prayer. And so it's useful for us then to look at this prayer as a template, to look at this in terms of what elements did he incorporate in here. And it's noticeable then that Jesus starts this with praise. He starts this with talking about the Father and praising the Father. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He doesn't start off right away with Jesus, dear God, this is what I need. He starts it off instead with who you are, your God, and what I desire, which is your kingdom to come, your will to be done. It's a prayer that's different from the prayers that we tend to pray. And he lays this out as a a useful template then is, start by looking at God and who God is. And then he does get into everyday things. Give us today our daily bread. So it starts off with, we have basic needs, and it's okay to pray for them. I think of a story that I heard from a pastor in the church I grew up in. He went on a tour in the Holy Lands, and there was an older lady on this tour, and she got up every morning and she prayed for what shoes to put on. And frankly, he thought that was a little silly. It's not like God would be interested in that small of decision. And then they noticed towards the end of the trip, that everybody was foot-weary except for this woman because she was always wearing the right shoes. So it sort of challenged him to understand that maybe God cares about us in a very detailed, very personal, very daily way. And perhaps he was withholding some of the prayers that maybe he should have been praying. So Jesus says here, give us this day our daily bread. He's praying for basic daily needs, um, mundane things like bread, important things like bread. And then he gets, of course, into that hard part, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors, or forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us. And that, of course, is the hardest part of the prayer. And as if that weren't bad enough, Jesus follows that up again, that same thought after the prayer with, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. 
Clearly, this is something that Jesus is putting some importance on. Why do we think that might be? One idea is that the people we come in contact with who don't have a relationship with God will only see the love of God if they see it through us. They will only see forgiveness if they see it through us. And so this is very important to God. He repeats it twice here, Jesus does, and says, you've got to forgive. You've got to be forgiving people. He doesn't put conditions on it, and he doesn't exclude certain things that can't be forgiven. And one of the reasons that I believe that he does this is forgiveness is important for us. It's important for us to forgive someone because of what it does to us, not just because of what it does to the person who needs forgiveness. And then the last portion there, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. One of the things that those verses do is they acknowledge that we live in a world where we will be tempted, and they acknowledge that there is someone in this world, the evil one, from whom we need deliverance. So if you think that maybe you're a Christian, but you don't believe in the devil, you should be aware that Jesus did. Um, And he, right here in his formula for prayer here, in what we call the Lord's Prayer, or the prayer that the Lord taught us, he says it's okay to recognize that the devil is out there and to pray for deliverance from him. I'm going to end on that note this week, and then next week we'll look at some of the other verses where Jesus teaches specifically on prayer. And following that, we'll look at some of the places where Jesus prays and what we can learn from them. If you're interested in commenting on this or any show, go to thebiblestudypodcast.com or send me an email at host at thebiblestudypodcast. Thanks for listening. Get this podcast and more great ones like it on the High Performance Podcast Delivery Network from Podshow and Limelight Networks. I love it. Do you want to better understand the Bible and give biblical answers to those who ask you about your faith? Hi, this is Perseus Poku, host of the Sound Reasoning Podcast Show. Listen to us weekly as we bring the truth often found in the ivory towers of seminary down to the steeple towers of local church. Join me along with many of the nation's top theologians as we offer answers to life tough questions from an apologetic perspective. Subscribe to the show at lifeaudio.com.